Greetings, you are now listening to the McCuffey Croncast. Stand by for your hosts, Brian Murphy and Doug Bruzzoni. They will be discussing your favorite baseball squadron, the San Francisco Giants. Take it away, Brian and Doug. It's uh, June 6th. Welcome. And uh, the Giants are coming off of a 3-4 and four week. And uh, which is a bummer, a five and five road trip. Doug, Doug, how are you feeling after after the start of June? <laughs> well, uh, so far it was a bad road trip, but at the same time it was better than we could ever expect from June, because <laughs> only one guy has been injured on the road trip, so that's that's a win. Yeah, uh, they were five hundred for June. That's a win. Mm-hmm. So really, I'm I'm feeling good. That's not true. That's really not true. <laughs> uh, w- w- hopefully this week's uh, podcast will be better. The Croncast will be better than last week's, which was great. We had Grant and, you know, you're on point as always. But we missed um, a couple of things that we need to talk about. One of those uh, was we forgot to pick. I forgot to bring up the segment where he picked our best game, worst game. And uh, players of the week, and we also missed that while we were recording the Croncast with Grant, it was Jake Peavy's birthday. He turned thirty-five, and uh, he pitched that that day against the uh, who? What team was that? The Braves. The Braves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long? Where are we? Is it August? What's happening? Um, and and he pitched a, a really good game, and. And afterwards, he uh, he essentially, how did you put it? He he subtweeted uh, with his <laughs> post game comments all of Giants Twitter in one <laughs> magical wave of the hand or use of his mouth. <laughs> so we dropped the ball there. Thirty five, which probably probably should know when Giants players are are uh, having birthdays. But uh, I, I mean. Uh, I'm now furiously looking, checking the roster here, but, <laughs> but, well, uh, Axel's birthday today, but, oh, okay. Well, he's, he's dead he's to us for, for the purposes of this. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, so anyway, but it's good. We can drop right into our first game here, uh, with, with, uh, with actually, yeah. Tuesday's game was our, yeah. The, the first game of the week, the giants, <laughs> that really stupid thing where they, where they played a day game after Colorado. Anyway, so <laughs> then uh, Tuesday, you know, they, they, they go in there. That's when they really played Atlanta. They woke up <laughs> and and uh, and they win four to nothing. That's right. Jake Peavy allows zero runs. And and um, and it was it was pretty cool. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a good game. It was fun uh, to watch PV pitch well. It was the kind of game that made you think, "Well, gee, maybe I was wrong, and he is back." <laughs> seven innings, seventy-seven pitches, one hit, three strikeouts. This is the tanking Braves, fifteen <laughs> and thirty-six after this game. And uh, Denard Spans bats starting to get going a little bit. He was three for four, hit two RBI. He uh, was probably it was probably because he was playing in front of family and for no other reason, but uh, he's been getting better. Uh, and and you know that was the game where the Giants, where after seven innings, you know, 
Jake Peavy probably could have thrown a shutout. I, I doubt it would have been a shutout, let's be honest. But he probably <laughs> could have pitched a complete game and just by pitch count alone. But that was where Bochi pulled him when his time came up in the top of the eighth because the Giants had runners on base and they they just needed to, to make it happen. Um, even though, you know, Jake Peavy had had a hit earlier in the game. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, it was it was the right call, and even PV was was behind it. But um, I, I get this is the, this is what you expect the Giants would have won this game, yeah, even with Jake PV pitching. You probably would have just expected they would have scored more runs than they did. But it's the Braves, the Braves stink, and the Giants. <laughs> if they hadn't won this game, that would have been a big problem. <laughs> right. I mean, you can say that it is Jake PV, so. Even if they hadn't won, you would be like, well, what do you expect? (laughs) Um, So basically, we're good because either way, we're going to be right about what was going to happen. That's right. Which is a very very good position to be in if you're talking about a baseball team. That's right. And it's a rare one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so it was was just a good game all around. There were some good offensive contributions from from Span. His triple, Gregor Blanco doubled. Uh, Span drove in a couple runs. Um, it was just overall a, a good game. And Matt Duffy had a pinch hit sacrifice fly, which, hey, good job, Matt. <laughs> uh, I'm looking for his comments here. Oh, that, I, I do want to point this out the, because now I'm looking for the quote and I found something else that I had forgotten about. And that was, uh, that was because Denard Span was hitting the ball so well. That was actually a game where uh, Jake Peavy, on his birthday, was trying to get his first stolen base ever. And when he took off, uh, Span got a hit, <laughs> and and it and he put him on third base. So he, but he had second base stolen, and I I thought it was pretty funny that Jake Peavy, who can't see, was <laughs> trying to steal base. <laughs> Uh, and it would have been fun for a bird. I think if you're a pitcher and you get a hit and you steal a base, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, I think if you're a pitcher and you steal a base, you just automatically win the game. Like they just stop it and say, <laughs> okay, we're done. It's, the other team has failed so hard that we're, it's over. <laughs> uh, well, that's the thing about about baseball. There's so many random things in there. If that started happening, there would be a lot of griping, I feel like. Yeah. Like if, the, like if the game just stopped after he did that, it's like, well, they, they won. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, there should probably be a sport where something like that is built into it because that would be kind of fun. <laughs> uh, that sounds like a sport that would be broadcast on YouTube because <laughs> <laughs> they could be of any length. Okay, so here's yeah. the quote after the game. They call it midseason form for a reason. I hate the way it started pitching the team out of some games. They're treating me real well here. Stayed behind me. It's just nice to show people that you can still win at this level when you've got doubters out there. Ooh, baby, that is a <laughs> sick burn. Oh, man. I got to go I, to the barber because of how that just singed my hair off. Jeez. I'm, I'm getting some lotion and sitting down in some cold water because, oh dang. God. Where are my eyebrows? Oh, they're everywhere on this table and on the floor. Oh my <laughs> god, that was fire. <laughs> I just bought out the whole CVS supply of aloe vera. Um, so that was that was uh is it mid-season 
All right. <laughs> I'll give it to him. <laughs> maybe, Absolutely. Maybe he thinks it's July. Because <laughs> there's a Y in there and he doesn't know. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, it starts with J, four letters. It's fine. That's true. Uh, he could, you know, he's like, now that Smarch is over, I'm uh, <laughs> pitching a lot better. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I think we should point out when JPV has good starts, and also certainly that quote was good. And certainly we're talking about a 4 nothing game against Atlanta for probably way too long than it needs to, but you've got to smell, celebrate these small victories because we're now rolling right into June 1st. Gong. <sighs> so I, this is another thing about last week that I, it just didn't click with me. And, and this is an interesting... So June 1st, the Giants lose 5-4. Uh, to four, And... It was one of the games on this road trip where the Giants chose to give a game away. That's the <laughs> best explanation for it. Uh, this was the first one where they really just decided to give it away. Uh, it was an 11 inning game. It ended in the walk off. But the Giants had a. Um, it was tied 3 to 3, but I mean, they. Sorry, they had a 4 to 3 lead and then. They blew it in the ninth, and then it just was a, cata- a catastrophe. But the bigger news, surprisingly, losing two out of three to the Braves, that's pretty big news. But the biggest news of this game was that Hunter Pence tore the – he just his, – his hamstring exploded running to first base, and he's gone for the next two months. And I want to cry. I still want to cry. It makes me sad. <laughs> but he's gone now. Goodbye, yeah, Hunter Pence. Bye. Bye, Hunter. We're, we miss you already. Yeah. So I didn't mention anything about June Gloom last week with Grant. Uh, Grant, are you worried about June? June Gloom. <laughs> June Kaboom. June Doom. June Too Soon. What else, whatever you want to call it. I, I appreciate you avoiding the actual term, which is June Swoon, by the way. Yeah. No, June Swoon is too 1950s. So. Okay. Um. Yeah, I was trying to think of one more thing. <laughs> the June, <laughs> the June tune. It's a sad song. I don't know. Uh, and so the, uh, you know why? Because I am a superstitious fan, in in some ways, but not in that way. But that is one where you actually don't even need to be superstitious. You can go back three years, the last three seasons, and it's just a disaster in the month of June. And it reminds me of 2014 a little bit. 2014, to me, is the best reminder. The first two months of the season, you'll recall, the Giants had the best record in baseball. And then, in June and July, they were the worst thing on the planet Earth. They were worse than terrorism. They were worse than disease. They were the worst thing. I think they won two games in June and July combined. But because they had built up such a lead in those first two months, they they wound up only being like eight games behind the Dodgers when they came out of it. And then they, you know, they scrapped and clawed for the second wild card because the Brewers, who had like the same record, they never recovered. They had two bad months, then then three bad months, and then they couldn't really get into it. So there, there was a team who was actually worse than the Giants in 2014. And, uh, and, 
And, and, you know, so now it's, you know, June, the calendar turns to June and they blow a game to the Braves after losing Hunter Pence uh, to his hamstring exploding after two at bats. That is, that is not a coincidence. That's just something's going on here. <laughs> it's, it's very strange. It, it, it's just a coincidence. It really is. But it, it's a very bizarre one. Um, and do you have any feelings on this or are you just a shrug emoji right now? (laughs) I mean, it's June is bad. It would seem, um, that's, that's most of what I have to think. Uh, strong take. Yeah. Strong take. I know. And it's take. Yeah. At least this time, you know, Sergio Romo didn't blow a bunch of saves, but that's because he's hurt and he's never coming back. Mm-hmm. So thinking thinking back to the beginning of that sentence, maybe <laughs> I maybe that was all bad, actually. There was no at least there. Uh, the bullpen's a disaster right now. That's bad. The starting rotation is not especially strong. Uh, I mean, you know, Bumgarner looked good his last time out, but... Cueto was shaky. He just got out of it by being incredible. I know that's a very strange way to put it, but he, you know, his last start, which we'll get to, he walked five and struck out one, and yeah. he just didn't look right. Uh, Samarj has been, you know, he, he Samarj has just been. You get a homer. You get a homer. You get a homer. He's the Oprah of homers. Mm. Uh, Jake Peavy, I will never trust this year. I'm sorry, Jake, but it's true. And so it's just tough to see where, if the offense doesn't pick it up, and they haven't really, where they're going to be good. Well, the thing is, you know, facing the Braves in this particular game, uh, they still scored four runs, which, you know, this week I don't see that happening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You mentioned that can the offense pick it up. There's not a lot of real offense on the team right now they they're already down angel pagan and hunter pence and the two things those two hitters are dynamic and and there isn't anyone else on the team who kind of matches them hunter pence is sort of a bad ball the best bad ball hitter left since pablo sandoval left and he has funky power and his streaks, he, he doesn't go into these death spirals of slumps. But when he streaks, he's, you know, he's a top 10 or top 20 player in baseball. At least this series been that so far. Angel Pagan, he's, uh, he's a doubles hitter. He's a switch hitter. He can take pitches. He's not a high-end base guy. He's, he's just kind of that professional in that, in that way of he, he doesn't, he gets into slumps too, typically more when he's hurting, but he's, at least for this year, he's sort of, he was playing to his ceiling to, in a lot of ways before he got hurt. So I'm saying, you know, you're taking two, two of the Giants, you know, best hitters, their, their whole lineup's pretty sharp. Uh, but then you look at, well, actually Joe Panic's in a, in a terrible slump right now. Matt Duffy is, this is probably not, I don't know. We wrote off Matt. I wrote off Matt Duffy last week, so he's bad. Joe Panic's <laughs> bad. I'll just get into this. Joe Panic's bad. Matt Duffy's bad. Uh, Gregor Blanco 
he's probably doing that thing he does where he when he has to fill in for someone he's bad for like two or three weeks and then he gets going and he's kind of and he's decent we're kind of seeing that right now and Brandon Belt is is a great hitter I think we're we're all in agreement that he's a great hitter he is not a guy who's going to carry the team though and just he's not going to be Barry Bonds and he's not going to be Buster Posey in a lot of ways but Buster Posey's not Buster Posey anymore so I don't know so, <laughs> so when I look at all that I I go hmm this is going to be a rough couple of months <laughs> uh probably and and so you just have to wonder Jarrett Parker is he going to come in and he's going to get at least 100 plate appearances is that going to be something that's going to pay off is I don't think I'm not judging the quality of the move. Is it the smartest move? Is it the best move? It's the move the Giants have to make right now. They can't go and make a trade. This is the best option they have for the minor leagues because as much as it pains me to say it, then again, he did have that Brian Murphy staff stamp of approval. I don't <laughs> think there's much there with Mac Williamson, at least right now. Um, I th- Obviously he has the tools. It just seems that, Stepping up to the big leagues is going to take a while. Uh, for gro- some growing pains, the Giants really can't afford to let him experience uh, for very long stretches. He, you know, it's kind of those things like you got to put it together, man. Uh, and then you're talking about the rotation. Let's talk about Albert Suarez, who had a good start for those first five. Yeah, for the first five innings, and then at sixth inning, he he really couldn't. He really couldn't do much, and it kind of fell apart for him there. And it just seemed like once the Braves figured out what he was doing, then it was really easy to get to him. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe. On the other hand, he hasn't been starting, so you could just say it's possible that he lost some some strength in the in those later innings. Entirely possible. I think he looked. I think he looked pretty good overall. I'm just saying, you're you know. To get, yeah. To talk about he the al- rotation, you're talking about a guy who pretty much still needs to be stretched out and doesn't have a lot of major league experience anyway. And Jake Peavy. <laughs> right. I mean, I will say I saw Suarez start a game in Sacramento. He was not throwing his fastball 96 miles an hour. Yeah. So I don't know where that came from. I don't know if he was just amped up for his first start. My guess would be it won't continue. My guess would also be he'll learn to pace himself a little bit better because it seems like he didn't in that game. Like if you come out and you you only ha- and you have 80 pitches and you're throwing 96 in the first couple innings yeah. and not 96 after that, that's probably not going to be a good uh, success story for you in those later innings. How that cool would be my is guess. it? Yeah, I, I think you're right. But how cool is it that Major League Baseball pitchers, when their adrenaline's going... They can throw 96 miles an hour. They, <laughs> they, they get it. It's uh when I get a surge of adrenaline, I can't throw 96 miles an hour. <laughs> when I get a surge of adrenaline, I can make, I can maybe get up to like 60. So 60. All right. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I can make like three sandwiches really quickly. That's, <laughs> that's what happens. So Santiago can see his fourth blown save already. And, uh, just to go through his ninth inning, he struck out Freddie Freeman, then he hit Adonis Garcia, and then he gave up a single to Nick Marcakis, 
and then he wild pitched. Uh, Adonis Garcia went to third on that wild pitch, and then he threw a wild pitch, which allowed Garcia <laughs> to score, and that tied that blew the save. Uh, and then Barcakis went to second. There was an intentional walk. Then he struck out Tyler Flowers, and then he got a ground out from Chase Darno. Damage had already been done. The wild pitch. What a not. What a chance. What a moment to throw a wild pitch there. What 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 a what a great pitch call there, uh, but at this point I, I think there's some line of you know it's two months into the season I think I, I the bit I'm really trying to craft Doug is to convincingly say it's still early it's only September or something like that when the Giants are out of the race is to keep using the language of the first couple months of the season. Uh, all the way through, when especially when things are dire late in the season, it's something Giants Twitter hasn't been really good about doing in the odd years, is to keep <laughs> the first two months, you know, hope and phrasing alive when it's August and they're twelve games out or whatever it is. Uh, so right. that'll be important. So I guess it's a you know it's a little it's a little too reactionary to say ah oh, it's four saves in the first two months whatever. But I think it's okay to say we're seeing it with with Javier Lopez um, that they get old and their effectiveness goes down and these things are more like more likely to happen going to for, going forward than less likely and I think that when Santiago's looked bad he's looked really bad and when he's looked good he he's he's shown flashes of what he's been. But for the most part, he doesn't quite look on the whole as consistently sharp as he's been, let's say, over the last three years, which is actually really hard to do for any baseball player, is to look as good as they've looked for more than three straight years, uh, usually not more than two. So I'm all over the place a little bit, but I would say the Giants have no other options. He should probably stay closer, but I would say I'm starting to slip into the, hmm, Maybe this is a problem going in the next month. Well, um, I feel like this that blown save was my fault because I called him the most trusted reliever on the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did rank him. Before. Yeah. yeah. So I ranked him number one, and uh, then he blew the save, which I said would happen in that article. I said it twice, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I apologize twice. I apologize again to everyone out there listening. Um <laughs> I'm very sorry for that. That was on me. If I'd just ranked Corey Guerin first, that wouldn't have happened. Corey Guerin would have blown the game instead. And that would have been much better because it would have been the eighth inning instead of the ninth. <laughs> and the sorry. Giants might have had a shot. Just. They might have had a shot. <laughs> uh, but I would say I would still track that ranking as being about it. Who knows what happens to Corey Guerin when you put it, if you swapped him in with Casilla in the. And put him in the ninth. Does that? I, I don't. I don't understand why it's different psychologically. I don't understand why it's so different psychologically to pitch the ninth. I feel like that's been created mostly by the organizations and not the players themselves, which is a really str- you know we talk about shooting yourself in the foot, but you know baseball, the industry has created this thing or strata, the status of pitching the ninth the final three outs of the game um, that, that I think is it's absurd. It's one of the more absurd things that the baseball industry has done, but it, it's real. It, 
you can interview, listen to player interviews over the years, whatever. It's real. Pitchers believe it. And I do believe that if you believe something like that, it's going to have a psychological effect. So who knows? Garen might be like, the ninth inning. And then just totally, you know, totally... um, Uh, I'm trying to think of a bad reliever right now, <laughs> like an like a like an, a really obviously bad reliever. And Alan totally, Embry, yeah, or to, and totally no. Well, he still pitched very well after he left the Giants, and totally Wayne Franklin. He totally could go Wayne into the Franklin. ninth inning and totally Wayne Franklin, <laughs> or Armando Benitez. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so I'm, but I will say this about the the bullpen. It's June first. And it, it, you know, Santiago Castillo blew the save, but one and a third innings, no hits, George Contos. Great. Probably his best relief appearance this season. Javier Lopez pitched two thirds of an inning and nothing bad happened. (laughs) Hunter Strickland pitched a third of an inning. He gave up a hit, but he also had a strikeout. He didn't blow the lead. He didn't, you know, he didn't give, make it a tie game. There was nothing like that. Josh Josh Osich, another third of an inning. He pitched again. Uh, and that ERA keeps ticking up and up and up. It's true. But still, gave up a hit, no runs. Garen again, he gave a third of an inning. He had a strikeout, no hits, nothing else. So the bullpen did kind of do a good job on this game until it got to the ninth inning. Derek Law, my boy, uh, I'm not rescinding that blessing just yet. But he did give up the game-winning home run. Uh, but you know, by I that time, it's actually... it up to the good hitter in the lineup. Yeah, like that's that's yeah. sort of the consolation. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Jeff Francoeur, so yeah. we have that. No, no, no. And it was a, uh, it was a, it was just kind of a man. The Giants when they just when when I I want to know again. Someone out there listening, or someone listening, or needing article ideas. The Giants, in my opinion, have to have surrendered the most fastballs down the middle of the plate this season, <laughs> or as close to center as possible. That that to me is 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 a uh, is not a good trend going forward. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into this third game of the series. A shutout. Oh my God! The you know you think after losing Hunter Pence and blowing the game. Usually that's enough to the, the season's over. They're packing it in. They're heading back to San Francisco, and, and it's all done. But no, they had they had life in them, and and Madison Bumgarner was pitching, and he he wasn't gonna take he wasn't gonna take it sitting down. No sir, he pitched into the eighth inning. He had eleven strikeouts, uh, gave up four hits and six walks, but he was dominant. Let's just say dominant. That that is accurate. And the Giants win six to nothing, and it was. It was pretty effortless. Oh, did I mention he hit a home run? Because he totally did. <laughs> uh, only a second of the season. It seems like we talk about it so much that he has more than two. But uh, really great. And uh, Joe Panic also homered in this game. I said just before that he hasn't been hitting well. But uh, it was a good home run. He, he definitely hit the crap out of it. But uh, let's just talk about Madison Bumgarner. He's pretty great. <laughs> Mumgarner is really great, and he's fun. Like, it's just fun to watch him pitch, and it's fun to watch him hit, and it's just fun to watch him. And I'm glad he's not on some other team, because if he was on some other team, I'd probably hate him for being an asshole. (laughs) But I don't have to do that. 
So no, he's sir. fun. Yeah. <laughs> he struck out Jeff Francoeur, future, former, wait, former, future, and future, future giant. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff Francoeur three times, um, who was batting cleanup if you didn't watch the game. But, uh, you know, he has good splits. Not against Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> no, no, that's not going to go well for him. Um, I would only say that he pitched, he powered, this is Madison Bumgarner versus the Atlanta Braves of 2016. This is probably how that start should have gone. Um. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like, it's basically like if you took Madison Bumgarner and threw him against a random AAA team, that had one big leaguer there rehabbing. <laughs> this is like what you should expect. Uh, and the damage from the Giants, it oddly, all came in one inning. I would say oddly because there's that tinge of, of concern. Oh, it was about two or three times through the order where the Giants could get to him. But before uh, the starter for the Braves was, uh, I was going to say Matt Whistler, but he was the game four. It was Aaron Blair. Who uh, he shot Alexander Hamilton, right? Um, yes. Okay. He did, and so the country hates him. He is public enemy number one now. So three, he gave up three home runs, and um, you know, uh, basically the Giants faced Jeff Samarja, and they <laughs> they had to wait him out a little bit, but then they got to him, and it was spectacular. And then the Braves bullpen uh, has been has been uh, pretty sharp. But anyway, um, six to nothing shutout. Uh, the Giants. Do not lose the series. They split the series for their their final four games at Turner Field, and and good riddance. Although it is pretty funny that it's three years older than AT and T Park, and now the Braves. We didn't even really talk about it, but um, I've said this before that the Braves are moving from Atlanta into a suburb of Atlanta, um, and the name of the stadium is going to be White Flight Field. Yeah. Or or White Panic Park, um, or Institutional Racism Arena. That those are the three that I, I thought. <laughs> I think that's the official name. One of those two. Uh, um, I believe it's it's White Flight Park at Institutional <laughs> Racism Fields. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it is a weird situation. But it, it is so southern that it's so nakedly uh, terrible that <laughs> every owner is going to say we want to put in more luxury boxes so we get more money. But in this case, it's really we want to move it to the suburbs because the majority of the fans we want are out there. And we'd rather the other people be in, you know from the, the city where the, the population is more dense we rather they be inconvenienced uh, to come and see us because ultimately they're not going to have the same amount of money that we want our customers to have. Turner Field is not a bad field. I've actually been there. I haven't been to all the parks, but it's it's a nice it's a nice ish stadium. Um, it it it's fine. It's just it's such a waste. It's such a weird. You know what though? The Braves are a waste. <laughs> they are. The Braves just shouldn't. There's there's no more words in that sentence. The Braves just shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let us not talk of them anymore. Well, the Giants <laughs> will face them again, but they're done. They're done playing Turner Field for the rest of the season. Um, 
So, yeah, let's forget about it. The Giants then go into St. Louis, and you would think after losing Hunter Pence and and uh, starting Jake Peavy and, um, and it being June, that this was going to be a disaster of a series, just a disaster of a series. Like, the Giants are going to be like the Warriors playing in Oklahoma City, just smoking craters. <laughs> But in game one of the series, the Giants won 5-1. to one. The Cardinals have a top-five offense. They hit they hit three home runs. Every batter hits a three-run home run when he's up, even when he's leading off an inning. Like, they're yeah. all just amazing. And, no, Johnny Cueto, as you said, he, he had one strikeout on five walks, but he, in his six innings, he gave up one run, and it was unearned. And, um, and it was a really, uh, cool start. It wasn't like impressive, the Johnny Cueto that we saw, but it was in that mold of, you know, bending and not breaking. And it's nice to see a It's always a relief now when a giant starter can do that because outside of Madison Bumgarner, the last two seasons, it's been like, I don't know. Yeah, it's the the back of that rotation has been rough for a while now. Really, since since Matt Cain was good in 2012, since Cain and Vogelsong were good in 2012. Ever since then, basically, it's been Bumgarner and nothing else. Yeah. So, it's to see Cueto just be able to to pitch so well, even when he's not pitching well for him. Basically, um, yeah. It's been a it, it's not only a relief, but it's something that you sort of point to in those. In in the rougher games, you'd be like, at least we have Bumgarner and Cueto coming up. Yeah. And sorry, Samarja, but we're going to need to see a good start from you before you're back in that category. <laughs> um, Brandon Crawford has had a had a pretty good has had a pretty good road trip up to this point. He was two for three. And this one, Brandon Belt one for four. Joe Panic two for five. Maybe signs of coming out of a slump. It was a solid, just a solid game all the way around, and it was against. Adam Wainwright, who really did look really good for for most of the game, he pitched seven innings, had six strikeouts, and gave up two runs. It was uh, simply a matter of he, he Johnny Cueto didn't break. You know the, right. the two runs that Wainwright gave up were essentially hiccups, but Cueto was in trouble for most of his start. And you know, taking a two to one lead into the ninth inning, the Giants really did just break it open because. Apparently this year the Cardinals bullpen is not as good as it could be, uh, or as it has been in the past, I should say. But uh, at least on Friday night the Giants were able to take advantage of that. I'm just going straight into Saturday now because <laughs> I kind of want to just combine the rest of the series. Unless you had something to say about the Friday game, something else more to say about the Friday the, game. The Friday game was good, and it was fun when they got to the Cardinals and beat them. Yes, <laughs> because the rest of the series was a bit, basically what I said in the setup here. That was a smoking crater. Uh, the Giants lose Saturday 7-4, to four, and then surprise, surprise, on Sunday night baseball, it doesn't go so well for them. Uh, once, ESPN, once ESPN cameras are on the Giants, they turn into, I don't know, Someone who's never been on TV before, maybe that's kind of it. Uh, and they lose six to three, and we'll just talk about the seven to. Uh, and in those two games, I should say, I want to add this will tie into my point about Friday on Saturday and Sunday. You would not know that the Cardinals had struggled in the bullpen 
because suddenly they were fine. <laughs> and both of those, both of these games, the similarities are about to end. So the bullpens were sharp, but in both of these games, it was sort of a tale of two halves of the game where the Giants were either in control or competitive for like the first four or five innings. But then it turned. And when it turned, the Giants were done. Like it was like they, they were just dead in the water. Nothing was going on. The offense, it was as though offensively their game plan to go through the order uh, to face the hitter. They had a good game plan. But then the pitching adjusted to them and they couldn't adjust back. The pitching, their pitching, their starter had a game plan and could do well for the first half of the game or so. But then it turned and the Cardinals hitters made the adjustment. And once that happened, it was just so stark. It was sort of stunning. But uh, Jeff Samarja, the Giants kind of scratched and clawed on Saturday to get a 4 nothing lead. Um, and Jeff Samarja looked fine through the first four innings or so. And then in the fifth inning, he turned into 2015 Jeff Samarja, and <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, that was not my favorite. I mean, my only hope is that he's getting all of his homers for the year out in that game, and now he won't give up anymore. Well, I wrote that's... this in the recap that his for his career, he averages one home run per nine innings. So heading into this game, he was at 0.7 home runs per nine innings. <laughs> and after this game, he's at like 0.9. So he after this game, he wound up, he pitched in the sixth inning, but he, you know, officially five innings, six earned runs, gave up four home runs. The second time in his career, he's given up four home runs. Uh, and after that, he had allowed nine home runs in 81 innings. So... <laughs> He has to give up one home run per nine inning. So whatever it's, he's going to probably have at least a few more games where he gives up two or three home runs. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, there goes my idea. Thanks. <laughs> I'm sorry, Doug. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that'll happen. And then, the, you know, the good news is I'd expect his homer rate will be a little bit lower just because AT&T Park suppresses homers so well. And he gets to pitch half of the games there, but. You know, where he's at right now. <laughs> I mean, at least a couple of those balls wouldn't have gone out in AT&T Park. They'd have been doubles off the wall. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. Right. That's not as bad. <laughs> uh, and, um, and so I would say that I had mentioned that the Giants gave away some games in this road trip. This was the second game they just gave away. But it was really just Jeff Samarja just giving it away. Yeah. No, he he did. And he... That that three run homer he gave up was just the one that that he gives that up and you think ah shit mm -hmm. just as soon as that happened the game was tied but it was just this feeling of well this is not good just no. because you know it just felt like it was it was a much lesser but the same but a very but the same kind of feeling like the much younger brother of the feeling of game seven of the 2002 world series where even when the giants took the lead, you're like, no, no, like it wasn't depressing, but you just knew it. You it was, just... it was pretty cool that the giant, it was one of those really, what was more demoralizing was like, Oh, the giants did the best they could to score those four <laughs> runs. And then the Cardinals were like, boom, boom time. And, you know, putting on a bunch of base runners ahead of a 
Diaz. <laughs> I mean, that's a, he's got eight home runs. He's definitely a rookie of the year candidate. But I'm just saying you kind of put all those base runners on ahead of somebody and you're a homer-prone guy. It was off the foul pool. You know, there was a chance that could have been a foul ball. You know, it wasn't like he just absolutely crushed it. It, it was hooking. So, uh, yeah. But, I mean, you put yourself in the position where something bad can happen like that. And then the the, uh, the other home runs to Piscotti and, and Matt Adams, I mean, that's just he's, – he's done. He's just throwing get-it-in fastballs, and they're going – right over the damn fence. And it's just, I don't understand. I don't understand the pitch thing, but when you have an, again, a 94 to 95 or 96 mile an hour fastball, you probably feel pretty confident that you're going to do fine. Uh, that you're going to, that you're going to, you're going to full hitters more often than not. But I would contend that after your 2015, Jeff Samarja, surely you learned that that is not the truth. <laughs> Because he, there's no way he wasn't doing the same thing last year, uh, with like, oh, I got us, I'll just power this fastball by him, and then it goes, he whips his neck around and watches it go by him. <laughs> right, you would think. So you know, I would say that the Giants, but that everyone, you, we expected this. This isn't too surprising. It's just that the Giants were ahead and then they lost. That yeah. if it was going to happen, you would just assume he would have put you in that hole early and the Giants had no shot. And a 4 nothing lead is a pretty sizable lead. You know, you don't expect the team to blow that until the bullpen comes in. So right. it's that that's kind of what made it rough. Is he that, was really cru- – he wasn't – I wouldn't – he was cruising. Wait, let's be clear. He was cruising. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that it was just like, oh, nope. <laughs> that, that, nope. That was really the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there was no clawing to be had from the sixth inning on. The Giants were just, they, they were just done. There was nothing going on. They, it was a perfect, the Cardinals bullpen was perfect for four innings uh, and two strikeouts. And uh, I don't know. It was just, it was the same, it was the same guys who hadn't been great all year. <laughs> uh, and they were fine. So, so it was a, I was probably along the lines of what you said once, once the lead was gone and they're on the road, they're like, ah, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Sunday's game talked about a little bit. The Giants, this was a game that they gave away. They just said, here, have it before it even started. Uh, <laughs> you're down Hunter Pence. You're down Angel Pagan. You're in June. Um, you, you lost to Heartbreaker. It's a Sunday night game. Uh, you played back-to-back national, nationally televised games. But, you know, Bo- Bochy just decides, eh, I scheduled this off day for Buster Posey and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so before the game even started, the Giants were just like, he may not statistically be our best hitter right now, but he is our best hitter, but we're going to not play him. So <laughs> we, we need the offense kind of desperately, but we're not going to play our best hitter. Um, we'd like to win the series. We think we have a good shot. We're not going to play our best player. So the Giants decided before the game that they weren't going to win this one, and they didn't win it. So even though they had a lead again, even though they were able to get that lead to three to one, um, Jake Peavy was pitching. I don't know if you knew this, and in the sixth inning where it all just fell apart, he—I uh, don't know what to say. He just kind of 
stop being really good. It, it, I mean, the way I see it is that his previous start, the first five innings of this start, were him saying, suck it, haters. And then the sixth inning was him being like, on the other hand, maybe the haters have a point. <laughs> uh, I think looking at the at the inning, it was really just that, you know, Bochy knew that he was dead and he got him out of there when he could. He got him out of there right away, but by it was the bullpen. So I want to say this, like Jake Peavy just, he gave up back-to-back doubles and, and Bochy was like, okay, I've, I've played this hand as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he got him out of there and, and the Giants were doing okay at that point. There were runners on base. <laughs> uh, also a perfect bunt. Let, let's, I want, I'm, I'm covering the sixth inning when he gets pulled out, but I want to go back real quick to the third inning where uh, Carlos Martinez, the pitcher, is a, a leadoff double by Randall Gritchuk. And then, this was weird about the ESPN broadcast, Dan Schulman. Uh, so now the pitcher, Carlos Martinez, steps to the box. He's obviously going to be bunting in the situation. And I said, why is that obvious? <laughs> I don't know that Bruce, I don't know necessarily that Bruce Bochy would have bunted in that situation. He probably would have. It just seems like, that is a weird kind of throwback. The The bunt thing is still a, a throwback thing. Yes, with a pitcher, most of the time you're going to sacrifice. But Carlos Martinez, in terms of a pitcher, had been hitting okay. Anyway, I'm just bringing up a weird quirk. I thought <laughs> that uh, that he was, that, that it wasn't necessarily obvious. But in any case, the bunt was called, and it was a perfect bunt. Jake Peavy's fastball is not fooling anybody or overpowering anybody. And to me, the perfect example of Jake PV, the effectiveness of Jake Peavy's fastball is that a pitcher was able to track it so perfectly that he was able to deaden the ball at home plate <laughs> when he bunted it. And, and it looked like he knew exactly what he was going to do when he did it because um, he got it right in that middle part of the bat that just killed it, and it was like he almost caught it with his hand uh, and set it down right in front of home plate. Um, it was, it was a perfect bunt and it led to the run in the third inning. And I just want to point that out that Jake Peavy's fastball is kind of comical in that regard. <laughs> yeah, that, that stuff is kind of abandoning him at this phase of his career. And that's to be expected. And that's what we have seen. And then when he doesn't, and you know, against a bunt, it's one thing, but that's also why he's had trouble with, uh, you know, actual hitters such as creator of My Name is Earl, Greg Garcia. That's right. Greg Garcia was in this game uh, playing second base. Uh, um, also in the broadcast, they interviewed Dave Rigetti, and he was asked what Peavy's been doing the last few starts to sort of turn things around. And I would say that actually for as bad as this start wound up, as bad as this game wound up being, we should probably factor this in as one of those better than what he'd been doing in April starts because it certainly was better than what he'd been doing in April. So you could say that there, the the turnaround has happened and your, the results will vary, but essentially whatever his new approach is, this is it now. And it's working for him Uh, that I'm just saying for the sake of this part of the discussion and Rigetti's answer was, well, we, we talked to him and, he he worked on being less aggressive because Jake Peavy is a he still basically the argument was 
he was still approaching things as though he had won the Cy Young and was a power pitcher who attacked the plate and attacked the zone and attacked hitters. And we had to, we had to work on, hey, you're older now. You can't do that. Um, <laughs> essentially, Jake Peavy's recognizing his mortality and now is pitching to his mortality is is the the special ingredient for for this i don't know kind of turnaround that he's had over the past four starts or so and i thought that was very interesting i thought it's very difficult to get any man to kind of sublimate his ego in that way uh, if if they're outside of buddhism or anything like that um or but it's really hard to get an athlete to adjust his approach later in his life or sports career. And yes, we can argue with the results, um, but he has been not a complete nuclear holocaust, which he's, <laughs> he had been. And so I don't know who knows if this will work, but we do know that whatever he's had when the season started stuff wise, he still has that. So if that's going to hold on for the next few months, which that's not necessarily a guarantee, but let us assume it does, this approach could work and it would make him a an effective back of the rotation. I would say it would make him a fifth starter, get you through five innings, hopefully. And if Matt Cain can come back and in a, a month or two sort of get back to where he was going before his hamstring pulled out, they'll shuffle the rotation and whatever, I would imagine. You know, it's back to that whole, okay, we're worrying about one rotation spot now. We know one rotation, one turn through the rotation is probably going to be more heavily bullpen than the others as opposed to two. We don't know about Jeff Samarja. I'm still going to put him in that category of like, you're kind of thinking six or seven innings with him. Maybe. That could change. But in any case, what do you think about that? Uh, Do you buy into what Rigetti's saying? Or, Or do you think like that's just PR? Uh, I mean, I do. That's something that the team has been saying for a little while now, or, you know, you've heard it that um, I think PV's even said it a couple of times that, the, you know, the first month of the season, he's going all out on every pitch and he just can't do that. That's that's not what his body does anymore. Um, and so you can actually kind of see it in the results. So at this point, he's someone who seems to be pretty good against really bad teams and then not great against good teams. But that's fine because that's an improvement. That is much better than where he was, where earlier in the season he was awful against the Diamondbacks. Uh, he was he was bad against the Reds. Um, and it's he's sort of had a lot of trouble. And since then, he's calmed it down a little bit. He's, you know, he's he's really he has improved. And if he's not going to be overpowering you with stuff, then he's going to be just a guy who can go in there and get, give you five, maybe six innings. And you could do worse than that, which is something that you really couldn't say for the first month of the season. When his ERA for the season was sitting at nine after his seventh, after his sixth start, then that was sort of a disaster. When he he had a two whip. Yeah. When he had a two whip for, you know, more than a month. month Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is not something that you can have success doing. And so the fact that he has done better and he has improved really speaks to Rigetti being being probably right that um, that, you know, he just had to back off a little bit. And, you know, yeah, he had a bad start against the Cubs, but the Cubs are, are a monster of a team that are built to demolish pitchers who have flaws. And Jake Peavy is very flawed at this point. 
but so you wouldn't want to start him against the Cubs. But at the same time, there are plenty of major league teams who you can start him against. And that is probably a tribute to the approach that Rigetti and Peavy have been working on. So Jake Peavy and I are now the same age. <laughs> and in terms of quiet reflection, or I should say the parallels between the two of us at 35 years, years old are basically, yes, my 2016 has basically been a smoking crater personally. Um, and my self-awareness has always been on my self-awareness game has always been on point, uh, to the extent that I know how stupid I sounded just now saying that phrase, but I don't, so that's where it separates because having the awareness and then enacting, um, changes that speak to that are two different things. So Again, the stuff is, hasn't changed from when he had that two whip, but still being able to maybe, you know, can't, you can picture him on the mound being like, I really want to throw a fastball up and in at him. And the call is like, slider away or, you know, throws, throw a fastball away or out of the zone that, you know, he's got to grumble with it initially. Or after that first month of the season, he was so completely humbled. He thought, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll do anything. Which is where I'm at in my 2016. <laughs> I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. My God. Um, also, between the two of us, career earnings wise, we've made a considerable sum of money. <laughs> right. Congratulations on that, by the way. That's, that's really a tribute to both of you. That's right. Uh, so the Giants lose two out of three in St. Louis, which I had them pegged as winning zero of those games. In fact, I think I had them giving back a couple of wins going into St. Louis. <laughs> Uh, the Giants end this 10-game road trip 5-5, five and five, clearly giving away three of these games. Uh, I'll, I'll say that last night's game, maybe because it was closer, that you could say, but again, not starting Buster Posey, so never mind. They gave away three of these games. They could have had a 7-3. and three, uh, Hold on. Let me do the math here. They could have had an 8-2 and two road trip. Uh, that That's great. 5-5 five and five through... Um, uh, San Diego, wait, not San Diego. I'm totally messing up the things, but, uh, Atlanta, Colorado, Atlanta, and St. Louis. That's what it was. Uh, five and five. I guess you, you could obviously do worse. It's not the worst thing in the world. The Giants are still in first place to 35 and 24. Still after June, we'll see. Uh, last <laughs> night I tweeted, Last night I tweeted if they do pull another 10 and 17, which I think they did in 2014, um, that they would they would go into uh, July 43 and 38, which if if I'm telling you that they're going to do that or if you knew that before the season started, I think you'd take that. So now can, the Giants have just got to hold on and figure out a way to win eight games eight more games this month um when you look ahead at this week uh two games again a weird schedule they're off monday they're off today and they're off thursday and they play tuesday and wednesday they host the red Sox, and then uh then they play the dodgers uh host the dodgers and clayton kershaw starts friday so the giants have already lost two in a row we're gonna lose both of those games to Boston, obviously. Um, oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, because Boston's better, 
and uh, and then they're gonna lose to Clayton Kershaw on Friday, which means that who's gonna be responsible for snapping the five game losing streak? Jeff Samarja. <laughs> well, Brian, congratulations on already giving up on this whole week. It's June. Uh, I don't even need. It doesn't even have to be a Brian thing. It's just it's June. <laughs> It's June. They're 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 off for two days this week. The other two are against a, a team that can only score six runs a game. Uh, the Giants are not in an offensive position to do that, really. Um, yes, Madison Bumgarner's pitching, so that'll probably make me eat crow. Um, but then they're facing Kershaw on Friday, and they play him tough. What I always like about the Giants against Kershaw is, with few exceptions, and this will probably be one of those. Now that I'm jinxing it. So they tend to play them pretty tough. They tend to play him pretty tough. Uh, and I always appreciate that. They tend to have good at bats. They never end well because it's Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> they play him tough. So maybe if Cueto keeps them in the game, which he's certainly capable of, they have a shot. But, you know, whatever. Let's just assume that they, what, this is going to be one of those times. It's June. They're going to lose to Kershaw. So that there we go. So can, well, the, one, the game I'm really not looking forward to is Jake Peavy on Sunday night again. Yeah, back on the Sunday night thing. Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just decline it, Giants. Uh, yeah. Just be like, oh, we can't travel. <laughs> I like the decline. I like the decline. <laughs> ESPN has sent you a Sunday night baseball request. Decline. <laughs> Click. It, or you know, you could just pretend you didn't see it. Like if somebody adds you on Facebook and you're like, I don't, I don't want to add you. You just sort of let it sit. Like friend request, That's right. one one pending one pending Sunday night baseball request. <laughs> uh, oh, I want to talk about the yesterday's game real quick. One more thing, Jarrett Parker. We had mentioned. I mean, he's going to get at least a hundred plate appearances. He's got to be the guy. Um, earlier in the week, the or earlier in the series, uh, the the Giants broadcasters on the radio had a couple of broadcaster jinxes uh, that that worked against the Giants. Um, but on this one, just before uh, Jarrett Parker hit the home run, Dave Fleming was talking about how he certainly has the power and the Giants are looking for a home run from him right now. And he's due. And he hit a home run. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> and I, I thought I should call attention to that. Uh, and Jarrett yeah, Parker that... was one of those opposite field, barely over the wall type things. But hey, Giants have a lot of people on the roster right now who could do that. Um, yeah, that was a fun home run just because of the expression on Carlos Martinez's face after that, because neither Parker or Martinez thought it was out. And then, and then Martinez is just looking at it like, what? Like you told him, no, they're going to, no, Transformers movies really make a lot of money. And he's like, what? Wh how? Why? How? What? How? Uh, Jared Parker was just happy to make contact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I uh, I'm I'm not sure to talk about him a little bit. I, I'm I'm on board with the Giants, just you know, grinning and bear it, bearing it, and seeing where it goes for a little while. I definitely I'm not stupid. He clearly has power. Uh, I I wonder how much of that power might go away if his if his approach gets better. Uh, right. If he if he learns to lay off, I think for the what'll help him really is if he can figure out um he, he he can take walks occasionally so it's not he's not Aaron Rowan out there but that's why I wonder is like he knows he's got to know for like the next three weeks at least he's going to see few, very few strikes because surely by now 
scouts have figured out that he just don't throw him fastballs. They, I, I can't believe the rest of the league is that slow to pick pick up on that. So he he's probably not going to get too many pitches to hit. Um, so then it's just a matter of him understanding. Well, what is my pitch to hit? Uh, and maybe that'll happen. I don't know. Or maybe um, I'm totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from what I've seen from Jarrett Parker, his problem is just his plate approach is honestly, it can be too passive a lot of the times. And that comes from, I think, him not being very good at recognizing um, anything besides fastballs. So it was one of the things that I saw a lot when he was in Sacramento last year. And I see it, I saw it some in the majors, so I think Mulan's worked with him a lot on it, um, is that a lot of time he would just decide to take before the the pitch came. Or the, and he would just say, this one I'm going to take, next one I'm going to swing. So he it would happen a lot last year where he would get to 3-0, and and he'd be like, well, here comes 3-2 and and then a strikeout. And then it would go to 3-2, and and then it would be a strikeout. Because he would be like, well, I can swing now because <laughs> he's going to throw me a strike. And it would be a breaking ball, and he'd be like, damn it! Foiled again! <laughs> Gosh dang, they're so good! How do they know? <laughs> this is not nice. I feel like... It, that's what it kind of looks like with Matt Duffy sometimes in terms of it looks like he's saying like, I'm going to take this pitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, then it's like, Oh, fastball down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to take this pitch up oh, another fastball down the middle. What? Well, I got to swing at the next one. Oh, uh, fiddlesticks. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Boone, his analysis was that uh, Duffy's approach is so geared towards inside outing pitches that it actually makes him extremely susceptible now to all sorts of pitching because it's, you know, pitchers recognize that. And the Cardinals actually played a version, I would say a slightly more sane version of that ridiculous shift that the Padres played on, on Duffy where, you know, that pop up to center field wound up being a triple in the alley. Um, But the Cardinals played sort of that same, shift it was exaggerated towards him going uh to right field going the other way and certainly that was his strength but i remember clearly last year that he definitely was able to pull the ball from time to time so i'm not sure what's going i mean that might be a component of it but i i'm not sure that he's i, I don't know i think it here's what my guess is it's some cross of cross between that he's his approach is maybe geared towards a little bit but also that he's just anxious there's like too many thoughts going on in his head and last year it was sort of he was in an emergency mode of like i can only focus on one or two things and now he's had success and maybe he's like well i gotta do this because i gotta do this or they need me to do this so i have to do this and maybe that's what's happening there's just a paralysis by analysis before he even gets in the box yeah, I mean, that's there's a lot of things probably going on with him mentally that we don't know about, but that sounds like very good armchair analysis, yeah. which is all we can do. Yeah. Also, uh, maybe maybe Joe panic slumping. You know, you don't have that extra guy on base some ahead of him, and he might see better pitches. That That's another possibility uh, that I can think of, but I don't know. Poor Matt Duffy. He's gone to us. <laughs> so who do you have as player of the week? Um. I think Bumgarner, you know, you throw seven and seven and a third or seven and two thirds shutout innings and you hit a homer in the same game. You get to be player of the week. And uh, ESPN caught on camera his is basically his home run derby batting practice that he had 
last night before the game and oh, he, yeah. hit it, he hit it into the upper deck of Bush Stadium above Big Mac land. That's right. He hit it above where a steroid user hit home <laughs> runs, <laughs> where, where they marked the most powerful man in the organization could hit them. He hit it above that. And he yeah. wants to be in the home run derby. And I say, let him. I, I think so too. I mean, Bochy's like, you know, that what they were saying on Sunday night baseball is Bochy's worried it'll, it, that he might get hurt or it'll, or it'll hurt his swing. And you know what? Screw it. Baseball's <laughs> supposed to be fun. Just let him do it. Uh, him getting hurt. See, if he got hurt in the home run derby, that'd be like the first time someone ever got hurt in the home run derby. Yeah. Yeah. And the so. home run derby happens in July, not June. So I feel like the odds are slightly <laughs> in the Giants' favor in that regard. In terms of it messing up his swing, that's hilarious, right? That's a, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that literally is his swing. That that's will right. change nothing about his swing. That's right. Uh, I think it would be fun, and I I think he's certainly fully capable of in terms of an entire stadium hitting at least one that's going to impress everybody and make it worth it. Um, yeah. The the cool thing would be, though, he wouldn't do it, but the cool thing would be if if after he hit a big one to just see a Madison Bumgarner bat flip. <laughs> that would be great. I, would, I want to know what that's going to look like. So, <laughs> uh, All right, so I'm going to pick, and that's a great pick. Oh, and last week your pick was... Johnny Cueto, who was the NL player of the week anyway. That's right. That was a great pick. Um, my pick this week is Brandon Crawford, actually, as great as as uh, Bumgarner was. Only because Crawford's starting to pick it up a little bit. He had sort of a costly misplay yesterday on the Sunday night game. But as always, we're not, you know, <laughs> that game, the Giants gave up on that game before it even started. So... <laughs> So I'm going to say Brandon Crawford, whose bat's picking it up a little bit, which which is great. And he did have good plays earlier in the week against Atlanta. So, uh, And last week, my player of the week was actually Hunter Pence, with Buster Posey as the honorable mention. But it should have been Cueto. <laughs> uh, game of the week? Well, my, well, my honorable mention this week is Corey Guerin, because he threw four and a third scoreless innings, which is a literal miracle. That's right. <laughs> of the 15-man Giants... Uh, bullpen, uh, certainly. Yeah. So, game of the week? Um, I'll just stick with it. Bumgarner against the Braves. Okay. It was that's, fun. Yeah, I'll I'll co-sign that. That was a great game. Um, yeah, all right. So, looking ahead, we already looked ahead. Um, so, let's get to your Twitter questions and just knock those out. Uh, again, every week, ask the Twitter questions. Send, it, send us questions during the week on Twitter or in the comments section. Uh, also, any ideas you might have for games that we can play? In fact, the uh, one of the questions is kind of a is kind of a game that so I'll save it for last. Uh, so the first question is from DPWTV at DPWTV Dodger. Question is Dodger fan here. Give me the date you believe Dodgers overtake the Giants in the NL West. Um, I don't, I don't think it's going to be the Dodgers. I think the, the Padres are going to go on a 73 game winning streak. So it'll be, uh, it'll, it'll be because they're so far behind right now, it'll actually be August 14th. And then they're going to miss the playoffs anyway, by the way. Well, I mean, if the, if the Padres went on a 73 game winning streak, they'd have, they'd end the season with 77 wins. <laughs> exactly. So, 
<laughs> there's no way they would. Okay, so looking at the schedule, you lose two to L.A. And picking up three and a half games, if any team can blow three and a half games um, that quickly, it is the Giants in June. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, that sounds too harsh, but that's the truth. If there's a team that can cough it up quickly, we know it's them. But I don't think it'll happen this week. I think it'll happen in June, and it'll happen, um, let's see, uh, since I have to pick a date, mm, I think it'll happen when the, I'll think it'll happen in Pittsburgh, so s- probably Wednesday, June 22nd, let's just say that. Okay, That's, Wednesday, June 22nd. Yeah, marking it down. That is, that is optimism for you. Yeah, that is. <laughs> uh, okay, so... That's the first question. The second question is... Okay. Spencer at S. Spensa, S-S-P-E-N-S-A. Will Mac or Susac get traded? If, when, then for what? Also, thoughts on Lopez's weird lefty-righty splits? Um. So... Second one first, Lopez splits. Uh, he has really good numbers against righties this year and bad numbers against lefties. Um, and I think that's just a function of small sample size against righties, mostly. Um, I think that he is not very good anymore. And that he, you know, he, he's having a lot of trouble throwing strikes to lefties. So a lot of those at-bats when you would expect him to sort of just get the outside corner. He can't do that so much anymore, which means either he has to come in too much and he'll get hit or he'll, he'll walk the guys. Um, as, as for righties, that will, that will even out. I think that is mostly just luck. I agree, but I, I want to add in another element about the small sample size. I, I, I think we say this every time it ha- every year it happens. It seems like he's pitching to more right-handed hitters but it seems like it's after he blows it with the lefty. So I think the small sample size success is based on the hitter being shocked, like, holy crap, I get to face him. Right. <laughs> and right. so just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's distracting enough that it's working the small sample size. <laughs> uh, what was the other part? Who will get traded? Oh, Mac or Susak. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could see either of them being traded. I, have found though that speculating on trades is literally the worst use of your time. Yeah. Possible. Susak is still coming back. I mean, he just came back from the disabled list, right? So he's just now starting to play minor league games. Uh, yeah. A couple of weeks ago. So I would say if over the next six weeks, he's good. He's right. I would I would put him over Williamson because Mac's been bad. Uh, at the major league level and in the minor leagues he started the season well but then when he came up and then went back down he didn't really do so hot going back down so I think his stock is sort of up and down it's not sort of like that Gary Brown thing where the Giants just didn't bring him up and they they let that reputation build basically you know if if a um, Carlos Beltran situation comes up again which literally could happen Carlos Beltran (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, it's it's not a Zach Wheeler or Gary Brown situation that the Giants totally have. I think Mac Williamson being the Gary Brown in the situation, and I guess maybe 
BD being Zach Wheeler in that situation. I don't think they really have that going necessarily. Um, I would say Williamson's out. Susak's probably a better option because I think a lot of teams need catchers right now. Yeah. But I think you're totally right about what speculating about trades. Also, a backup catcher, you know, Tommy (laughs) Joseph was, you could argue, was the centerpiece of that Hunter Pence deal, but he was also with three other players in that package, so or two other players. And so, I don't know, Susak and who else, if it's just Susak, you're getting a reliever. And not even, you're not getting Andrew Miller or Araldus Chapman with Andrew Susak. You're getting Doug Henry. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I very much think that's wrong. Remember what Ramon Ramirez cost was somebody you've never heard of. It was Dan Turpin. What, <laughs> what Javier Lopez cost was... Uh, was Joe Martinez and and John but Belker? We've heard of Andrew Susak. Does he right. does he rise to the Tommy Joseph level for other teams? Is essentially what I'm getting at. I would guess he does. Yeah, because okay. Joseph was pretty far down, um, and he had some injury. I mean, he also had some injury concerns. So Susak doesn't have a disadvantage based on injury concerns. But Tommy Joseph was either in single A or double A and Susak has had success in the majors. So I think he's a better trade piece than Susak. That'd be okay, my guess. So we or, dis- and Tommy Joseph. So we disagree then. Fine. <laughs> All right. Next one. The next question comes from the Paul Reiser fan club at tweets by Jesse. And he asks, or, or she asks Cardinals fan here, a classiest in baseball, B classiest in all of sports. Why did I ask? The, why did I put this question on our air? Because I hate myself, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, th- did you see how they clap for nice plays from other players on the other team? That's very classy. I think they're very classy. I think that we should all be so lucky to be Cardinals fans. I think the reason that some of us aren't Cardinals fans is that we don't deserve to be. That the Card- that Cardinals fandom doesn't deserve to be burdened with subpar fans like us. Mm-hmm. So I think that Cardinals fans are beyond being the classiest in all of baseball or even sports. I think they're, they're the classiest people on the planet. The I, classiest people, in fact, who've ever lived, who will ever live, are all <laughs> Cardinals fans. All stretching into the past and the future. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say be classiest in all of sports because I'm sure only Cardinals fans would give uh, a standing ovation curtain call to a Ferguson police officer. Um, <laughs> and if you're in Ferguson PD, that's you're a cop for sport. So I'm saying it's classiest in all sports. Cardinals, uh, unrelated to the question, but related to the Cardinals, the Cardinals are not my most hated team. I've said this before. I would put the Dallas Cowboys number one on any list of teams I hate the most. Even if you ask me the baseball team I hated the most, I still <laughs> put the Dallas Cowboys. And the fact that the Dallas Cowboys doctor is the one who's performing Hunter Pence's surgery deeply unsettles me. It unnerves me a lot. That is an irrational fan. Right there. <laughs> There's my most irrational fan thing. I don't want the Cowboys anywhere near the Giants. It's like an unholy mashup, like when the Red Sox were rooting for the Giants for some reason, and the Giants were rooting. Was that the All-Star game? They were voting for each other's teams? Maybe, yeah. They made like an alliance. Yeah, an alliance. 
What was that all about? That was horrible. Oh, deal with the devil. Yeah. That's like other teams or teams in other sports rooting for the Sharks. It's like <laughs> the Sharks are barely rooted for by the, like no one in the NHL likes them. They're just like by like 10,000 people in San Jose. It's weird. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the same same person asked another question. How about some Giants all-star predictions? My prediction, Brendan Blett. I, for the sake of this, do not think that that was a joke. I think that's what Cardinals fans think Brandon Belt's name is, which means that that is what Brandon Belt's new name is, Brendan Blett. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm guessing Belt won't get in because he would have to be voted in to get in over um, Rizzo. or Rizzo's in first, but to get in over probably Goldschmidt and and Freddie Freeman's going to have to be the designated Braves guy. So to get in over them, you would have to be voted in. Uh, so probably not belt. I would say Posey is almost, I mean, Posey's probably going to be taken as a reserve if he doesn't win the voting. Um, though there's a good chance he does pass Yadier. And Bumgarner's for sure. And Cueto's almost just as sure. Because Cueto and Bumgarner have been fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got the, he's nine and one and his ERA is under three. That's That covers all the baseball traditional bases. <laughs> I think Brandon Crawford has a good chance of actually yeah. getting voted in, um, if not going as a reserve. So that's that's the only other person I would add to that list. Yeah, I mean, when when Pence was healthy, if Pence had been healthy for the All Star game, oh he for sure, yeah. a shot. But yeah, yeah now yeah. it's yeah. Uh, all right, next question comes from Darf Sabian, and the, at Darf Sabian, and he asks or she. Are the Padres the worst run franchise in the NL or are the fish? I assume the Marlins. Um, well, that's a great question. <laughs> it is. Cause I mean, in terms of history, it's the Marlins. Like you can't, that's, that's just not disputable. Mm, I know they've won. No, two World I'm Series, countering they've, Doug. They've won two world series. <laughs> yeah. And they've destroyed any of the good effects of that. You win world series and it builds a fan base and they just destroyed their fan base. They literally, they literally pooped on them. Okay, but Wayne the, Heinzenga literally went to every Marlins fan's house and pooped on their faces. That and, happened. Look right. it up. There were three of them. It didn't take long. And then Jeffrey Loria sued every person who tried to clean up the poop. So yeah, No, he, he sued those guys who Heinzenga had pooped on for stealing his poop. <laughs> but the Padres built a stadium and chased away their fans by not putting any money into it. The, well, they didn't build it. They, they, they forced the stadium onto a city. And they didn't spend any money to build the team or the farm system. And then they got a guy in there who raised it all, but didn't do anything with it. So emptied out any good that they had. And okay, well, you, you cannot use the stadium as a point against, the, as a point in favor of the Padres being worse. The Marlins, the Marlins, the Marlins did the same thing, but the Marlins. Surely winning two World Series offsets the stadium thing for no, the Marlins. No, so it now doesn't. that's not it. Because <laughs> they, they traded all of those players who people liked. All of them except for Jeff Conine. Every well, single they, one of them. But then they signed Giancarlo Stanton to a long deal, which optically looks good, but we know obviously that the that contract is a booby trap. Which <laughs> but I'm saying they still went and they did an extension on Giancarlo Stanton. They have held on to Jose Fernandez. Uh, at least for now. For now, I that. mean, they traded Hanley. They hired, was a big excuse star. me, they hired Barry Bonds 
as their hitting coach, the Padres tried to destroy Barry Bonds, and they couldn't. <laughs> no, the, uh, the Padres were responsible for more of Barry Bonds' success than anyone. That's true. <laughs> um, I guess, I don't know. This is a good and bad. This is a could go either way, depending on how you look at it. They hired Don Mattingly. That could mean they're the worst run franchise in the NL, and that's bad, or that's great for other teams. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, they're both very bad franchises. And uh. worst run to me is, see, if the argument was, what is the worst franchise in the NL? Worst has several shades of, has other shades of meaning to it, as in like, they're evil the worst. Then it's it's the Marlins, and by a lot. And then the Braves uh, come in second. And we could do a power ranking of worst organiza- evil <laughs> or- organizations. But worst run, I mean, you know what the Marlins are doing. It's uh, boom and bust. Boom and bust. That's their whole thing. Exploit people for money. And, and, you know, they had that big splash of the free agency to open up the park and then it didn't work out and they blew it all up. That's good and bad. They kind of went for it and then they pulled the trigger too quickly. Um, then they scapegoated the general manager by making him the field manager, which, holy shit, that is some Machiavellian <laughs> evil right there. <laughs> and, you know, the, 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 Marlins are sort of interestingly bad. Like you keep throwing your hands up at them and they're able to get good players still through all this crap. They can still draft and trade and get good talent. That's how they keep doing this. (laughs) Or at least it's how they kept doing it for a while. I mean, we can argue post 2003, how, how fantastic have they really been? They haven't had as much, nearly as much success. Um, You know, the Padres can't even boast that. Well, the Padres get the talent and they trade it all away. I mean, Anthony Rizzo was a Padres draftee. There, there are people who draft that, you know, their scouts do a good job in terms of drafting people. And then everyone else is just terrible. I would disagree about the drafting people. They traded for Rizzo, like you said. Um, and that was when they that was when they had that blip where there was like the smart Red Sox people crossing over. So, <laughs> all right. You're picking. So you're picking uh, the Marlins. I, I'm, I'm going to pick the Padres. Okay. Uh, disagreement is the lifeblood of this podcast that's right it's what we make our money on (laughs) oh by the way the uh the revenue check came in for all the ad ad stuff yeah you know (laughs) it it feels like uh more electricity the electricity used to generate and send that was (laughs) uh cost more and was more yeah (laughs) could have been used better Anyway, uh, next question <clears throat> comes from Larry at LairBear08. I doubt this is Larry Bear. First of all, the bear is spelled B-E-A-R. Well, and he went Al, so. I see. I see. <coughs> That's a good point. I still doubt that he would be uh, <laughs> tweeting at us, but maybe. He is followed by Aubrey Huff. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. People say Joe Buck had okay calls in the 2014 postseason. Thoughts on this? Uh, I wrote an article about this over, I think, this offseason where I said that because Joe Buck used to be terrible. And I put, and I kind of threw up a lot of clips of him calling home runs in 
in old postseasons and then more recent postseasons. And then uh, I showed that. He, and then I was like, look, look how much better he is now because he's better now. Yeah, I, agree. I think he does, I think he does a good job now. <clears throat> I, I agree. I, I don't know what it is that changed, but. I I think what my here's my thought I don't know it but it seemed that he was intentionally doing a certain way of underplaying things and and sounding stoic essentially being the St. Louis Cardinals persona of broadcasters you know he's not going to let the game affect him too much either way he's going to try to be balanced he's going to be really serious and let the game sort of go into that and so it seemed like it was more of a bit and maybe he's just kind of turned it around. He's not, he's never been that self-serious, but it seemed like he had a gimmick and it seems like kind of embracing what he was watching was the key to his turnaround. Yeah. I mean, to me, um, I think he was trying to underplay the moment and let it speak for itself. And it just didn't really work when he did that. You know, there are people who are good at doing that and he's not one of them. And I think he kind of came around to that. So he started injecting more, more excitement into his voice. So that you would get a better sense of of the the enormity of the moment. I don't think that it's I don't think that it's good for anybody to do that. Uh, I think anyone who's who does that or does it well, it's it's sort of that ironic detachment from things that undercuts the joy of life. I think everyone just wants to avoid being Hawk Harrelson, but <laughs> and it's just odd that there's those extremes but bob costas i think i think you're trying to copy bob costas that's what came to mind but bob costas is genuinely enthusiastic about the game maybe in his call of a specific play but he had moments where he would let it go so even then it's not that's not totally true um you know and bob costas is a hard act to follow you're never going to be have the wealth of baseball knowledge and enthusiasm that he has Joe Buck was always more enthusiastic for football in his calls than he was for baseball. Maybe it was because of the father shadow thing. I don't know what it is. Anyway, too much analysis about Joe Buck. He's better now. <laughs> and, it, it, and it timed out nicely with the Giants doing well in the postseason. So good good for us. Uh, all right. And then the last question, which is our game, uh, and that is from Mike Von Klitzing at Mike Klitzing. That's a... F- uh anyway <laughs> i said that name several times because i wasn't sure i'd pronounce it um without sounding dirty anyway uh the question <laughs> is giants as bad 90s bands parker is obviously fastball others <laughs> that's well, good that's a good this is a good question that is a good question i'd say uh my first one and i definitely did have to do some research here looking into this to figure it out but uh, Hunter Pence, he uh, he swings really wildly. You know, he has that sort of aura around him. And he loves kale. So I think he's pretty obviously Savage Garden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, what was What was Savage Garden's big hit? Savage Garden's big hit was "Please don't ever remember anything about us." <laughs> no, we're doing this. They're an Australian <laughs> pop duo. I didn't know they were Australian. I, oh, I remember. Um, so ninety six to ninety eight, their de- their debut album. What? 
Oh, truly, madly, deeply. <laughs> yeah. Were they on there the Batman Forever soundtrack? No, that was that was <laughs> ninety five. No, it was ninety five when that movie came out. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay, all right. That's a that's a bad, gloriously bad. <laughs> um. All right. So you did Hunter Pence, so now I've got to pick a different player. Um. Hmm. Crap. Because <laughs> I have the band queued up, and now I'm trying to. I'm I'm doing it all wrong. I'm working backwards here. Um. Crap. <laughs> uh, I'll 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 say Jake PV was uh, is a uh, pot USA presidents of the United States of America. Okay, that that's that's the '90s band for him because you know kind of catchy for a little bit and then he just totally forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like Jake PV. <laughs> Does seem like Jake PV. <laughs> uh what's a what's a good one for brandon belt oh 90s bands this i'm just trying to work for my actual memory to find to figure out some <laughs> 90s bands um oh man hold on <laughs> oh i i think it, oh everclear brandon belt <laughs> everclear huh yes <laughs> all right i i was thinking about going with marcy playground because He's had a kid, so he's had sex, and you know he loves candy. <laughs> that that's probably better. We can go we can go with Marcy's playground there. That's good. <laughs> but I mean, Dave Laprinzi's side just go to the Wikipedia page in nineteen ninety nine, his his sideburns. I don't know, it's making me think. <laughs> who who would be who would be ever clear? <laughs> Oof. Hunter Strickland. Yeah, yeah. Because Everclear songs have a little have a little tinge of a persecution complex, maybe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Do you have uh? Do you have anything else? Uh, do you have another one. I'll give you the last word. It's a good I'm question, thinking, Mike. It is a good question. This is a tough one. I mean, I came up with a lame answer, and I did research, and I was like, "This answer is stupid. Why am I even doing this?" Um. <laughs> Because the lame answer is is Buster Posey is three eleven because Buster Posey hit three eleven in twenty fourteen. Oh, but that seems like the sort of that seems like Buster Posey listens to three eleven now because that's right. Buster Posey's idea of what edgy is today. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say. Oh, okay. Let's see. Uh, you know, well, you know who's who are who are big Giants fans are Smash Mouth. <laughs> we didn't even mention it's right there. <laughs> Train and Smash Mouth are right there. Right and there. so obviously, I think Brandon Crawford is Smash Mouth. <laughs> hey, especially if he's an All Star this year. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. That's that's good. I, I got that one. Uh, I think Jeff Samarja's train. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I've got. I actually do have one more after that. Uh, <laughs> I, all right. I'm I'm out. I'm tapped you're, out. You're tapped out. Uh, okay. Yeah. But I've got to find. <clears throat> I've got the band. I'm trying to find the right guy. I think I'm just doing this all wrong. You know. 
because um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, mine is I can only go back to a throwback. I have to go back to an old giant. Uh, okay. I, I think Brian Wilson is Sugar Ray. Oh. I think that's good. Oh, you know, you know what I just came up with? Jarrett Parker is Blur. <laughs> I I liked I liked that Mike said that he's fastball because you know he can only hit fastballs. That's but a good I, point. Actually. I like yeah, but I like <laughs> Blur's a good <laughs> couldn't couldn't like what well, what's Connor Gillespie? Wait, we've what's Connor Gillespie? Oh, Connor it's... Gillespie is nothing. No, no, he's gotta be like. Like a like sad bastard music from the nineties, like something kind of grungy or like like a Nirvana ripoff or like um... Soundgarden. Kind of want to throw Soundgarden. <laughs> Is he Soundgarden? Is Connor? That's just... <laughs> Brian. Why do you look so distracted today? Is Connor? Yes, he's he's Soundgarden. Connor Glass. <laughs> Because I can picture him doing a really bad version of Black Hole Sun. <laughs> exactly. I can totally see it. All right. we That's it. That's me wiping my hands. Nicely done. All right. <laughs> Whew. 90s bands. Bad. <laughs> bad. You know, when you look, when you just go back and look at eras, you know, basically from the 80s on, music is bad. Yeah. That's pretty much what I think too. Yes, people are, people can chime in with like, oh, there's good music here and there. Sure, and maybe there's just there was just more music from the '80s on, but it's mostly bad, <laughs> like ninety three percent bad. Anyway, a, a lot of it's very bad. It's it's really bad. All right, um, I'm at every six day on Twitter. If you didn't know, <laughs> I am at Moonwalk McFly on Twitter. If you didn't know. Everyone should know this by now. I mean, and we write for for an awesome site, probably the most visited site on SB Nation, McCovey Chronicles. I mean, we're just the best. And the commenters, yeah. if you haven't signed up and, and commented, you know, people, and it's its own community. We're not just a, people never talk about the Giants in the comment section. So if you're just looking for like life advice or what computer to buy next or what TV shows to watch or to disparage people for their lunch choices, or really just to watch people get off on their own knowledge of numbers, go to the comments yeah. section um, <laughs> of McCovey, McCovey Chronicles. That's how Doug and I both got into this, is we were commenters, and, and we worked our way up the chain, man. We amused, we amused Grant. Um, so yeah. check it out. Here we are. Here we are on top. Here we are, and now you're listening to us on an off day. Uh, this is a great long podcast. You can listen to it for both off days this week. <laughs> Split it in half. That's right. Uh, this is advice yourself. we're giving you at the end, so that's, it's not useful. That's right. Uh, or listen to it again, you know? Who who listens to podcasts twice? Like, they're so good that they listen to them again. That'd be, be interesting to know, because I'd want to know a lot about those people for my own purposes. Anyway. Maybe it's you, listener. Maybe you'll be the first. <laughs> We'll be back next. Well, we won't be back next week. That was what I had to add. We will not be back next week. I could not find anyone who knows how to edit together the podcast, and I will be traveling. So we will be back in two weeks where the Giants will, according to my calculations, uh, be almost out of first place. So, 
All right. Um, Doug, have a great couple weeks and uh, talk to you later. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.